When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tippin. Nothing personal. Word of the day. It's Monday, May 29th, 2023. And the word of the day is tippin. The word of the day could have been, we're working here. Hard to imagine the number of shows that aren't happening today, given the fact how much went on this weekend on and off the field. We're not even going to be able to get to the Indy 500 and having to look out for tires. We're probably not going to get to the Nuggets and what they're doing as they sit around day after day waiting for this Celtics series to start and waiting for it to end. We're going to go right to Tippin. Hope you all are having a good Labor Day weekend. God, see, this is it. Here we go. I'm not even tired. Four, eight, six, nine. We're live. It's Memorial Day. Hope you're having a great weekend. Have fun today. Thanks for the 45 minutes. We're starting right now with the Tippin. I'm watching the Celtics heat game and I'm thinking in my mind how this goes, how it happens that the heat have a chance to win. Then they're going to take a day, maybe two, get to Denver as quickly as they can to start acclimating to the mile high, which is a real thing. Athletes, when they get to Denver for just a series, when you go for a three game baseball series, they totally feel it. They still go out and party, etc. But like anybody else, when you're running in Denver and you're not used to it, you feel it. Anytime you have a chance to acclimate, you take it. When you see a chance, you take it. Great barbecue music, Stevie Winwood. So the Heat would like to get to Denver as quickly as possible. Denver, no idea what they're doing. Sitting there with no bags packed, some bags packed. Are we going to Boston? Are we hosting Miami? Because Denver in the NBA Finals, while they've had eight days off, game one, which is June 1st, could be in Boston. But in their minds, they were getting to stay home to host the Heat in game one. That's the way it works. People made fun of MLB and the this time accounts all-star game in order to figure out who was gonna have home field advantage in the World Series. But the advantage was so great for both the commissioner's office, they could plan their parties, and for teams so they would know, hey, we're in the NL, we're starting on the road if we make it to the World Series, so we know already that we're one, two, and five, seven, or one, two, five, seven on the road. But in the NBA, and in MLB now, they changed it. NBA has always been this way. It's record. And the Celtics had a better regular season record than the Nuggets. So game six at home, people were thinking Boston had the momentum. The Heat had been up 3-0. The Celtics cut it to 3-2. But inside that locker room, you don't need any sort of speech. You don't need any sort of meeting. It is very clear that when you are hosting a game six to go to the finals, when you were a tremendous underdog in the series, 
you are exactly where you wanna be. People argued with me all weekend long on Twitter or last week. It's worse when you're up three nothing and then you lose two in a row to try to clinch it in game six. No, not correct. It doesn't matter how you get there. So the Heat come out in game six and the Celtics are pretty much in control because A, they're a better team. But the Celtics faded at the end of the game. I want to cut right to the end. All of the focus on the referees and whether or not there should have been three seconds left in the game or 2.1 seconds left in the game, all of the focus that led to the NBA releasing a report. They do the two-minute reports, which shows all the things that happened during the course of the game, all the mistakes that were made, the calls that didn't go a certain way, that could have gone a certain way. This is the era of transparency, and it's a joke. The NBA is very involved in those reports. It's not as though they just come out and Adam Silver looks at it and says, oh, I'm glad we didn't make a mistake. I'm glad there should have been three seconds left, or I'm glad Jimmy Butler should have shot three free throws at the end. Absolutely, there's communication because no one wants to be embarrassed at the highest levels of these sports. So the report comes out and says, as a matter of fact, the only calls missed at the end of the game favored Boston, not Miami. Favored Miami and not Boston, excuse me. It's two mistakes. I, I didn't even party yesterday. I was running for the majority of the day. The only calls that were a problem in Friday night's game six in Saturday. What do you wanna do, Coca? Should we just pretend we're not doing a show? Have you ever seen more mistakes in the first five minutes? Are we, we're live, because we're live every day. Four, six, nine, tip in. What, can we just release and forget the first five minutes? Nothing personal, word of the day is tip in. Final play of the game. After all of the mistakes that you all thought happened, the NBA made it clear to you that no mistakes happened at the end, that the clock should have read three seconds. The biggest mistake is, why were the Heat ball watching? And you can argue however you want. I'm gonna give you my point of view with what coaches need to be doing at the end when you're up one by some miracle with three seconds left. You know that there's only time for a shot. You know that Derek White is gonna inbound the ball. You know that it's gonna to try to go to Tatum, so you try to shut off Tatum. Therefore, it's gonna to go to one of the other players. Therefore, you have to keep a body on Tatum. Therefore, you have to always focus on who's putting the ball in bounds. This is elementary. Spolster knows this, Riley knows this, Pat Riley can text all he wants to the bench and call whatever plays he wants, but you know very well that everybody is focused on who is throwing the ball in bounds. Stan Van Gundy even said it. Side note, if Reggie Miller says undrafted one more time, I'm gonna turn the volume off. So Derek White puts the ball in, Marcus Smart turns around, heaves a three. If that had had one-tenth of a second more arc, game over. If it had missed everything, game over. Going off the front rim, game over. Off the back rim, game over. It happens to go in the basket, in and out. If it goes in and out a little slower, game over. If it goes in and out and out the backside of the rim, game over. The front side of the rim, game over. It goes in and out 
on the near side of the rim where Derek White, who put the ball inbounds to Smart and then ran toward the basket, unencumbered, manages to put a pointer on it to tip it in and it goes in. In real time, as you're all watching, did you think for one second that ball was good? I figured it was over. I figured it was after the buzzer. The referees were on it immediately. They call it good. They check. It's good. The Celtics win on what can only be called the miracle finger. I didn't check Coca. Can you tell in the video? Can you put that picture back up? Can you tell in the video? Was it his pointer or was it his middle finger? Because it would have been amazing if it were, had been his middle finger. But he got one finger on it. I don't think, can you tell? My eyes aren't nearly good enough if you're looking at a computer right now. But in any case, so the ball gets tipped in and now the Heat had to go back to Boston. Either way, the Celtics were going back. The mantra inside the visiting clubhouse before game six on Saturday was, let's make them fly with us. The Heat now got on a plane yesterday to go back to Boston, not with carry-on, because if you are the Heat, you are told and you're telling your players, pack a big suitcase because we're going to Denver. And we are packing for Sunday night in Boston. Monday night in Denver, Tuesday night in Denver, Wednesday night in Denver, Thursday night in Denver, Friday night in Denver, Saturday night in Denver, and then we'll leave Sunday after the game. If the Heat end up, and we can check Andy Slater on this for a scoop, if the Heat win tonight in Boston and fly back to Miami before flying to Denver, then make sure you bet Denver in game one. The Heat have an opportunity to get to Denver tonight, have Tuesday, Wednesday, and really all day Thursday to acclimate. They would be insane not to do it. What's at stake in tonight's game seven is history. 150 times a team's been up 3-0 and they've never won. In baseball, A team that's been down 3-0 has won only once. In basketball, a team that's been down 3-0 has never won. If the Celtics complete the comeback, they will become the first team in NBA history. It's a little bizarre tonight in that in this game seven, the Celtics are favored by over a touchdown. It's a little bizarre that the Celtics were viewed under projections as a 97% favorite to win this series when it started. It's a little strange because it's never happened that a team down 0-3 has gotten it to a game seven and they get that game seven at home. Only three other times or four other times has a team ever gotten to a game seven when they're down 0-3. So the Celtics are going for history. I'd have my speech ready. I was thinking about this yesterday when we knew we were doing a show, we knew on Friday. And I was thinking about what would I be telling my players if I'm the Heat? And I decided that I would have no meeting before the game. The players know the importance of the game. There is no reason to explain to them what would happen to them if they lose, they get it. But post-game, I'm ready. And here's where I am post-game. I would walk in that clubhouse and I would stand up 
and I, while the players were getting dressed, while we were getting ready to get on the plane back to Miami to go home with the season being over, I would tell the guys, I appreciate your work this season. I hope that over time, we will all realize that as a number eight seed, to have an opportunity to play in the NBA Finals is extremely rare. And the reality is that we outperformed people's expectations and we underperformed our expectations by only five games. Take this off season, get yourself ready, because we've shown over the past three years, including the bubble year, that we are one of the best teams in basketball and we will be back. And I would leave it at that. I don't wanna talk about history. I wouldn't talk about the fact that we blew it. I would not do anything but be positive. If you are the Celtics and you lose tonight, when you meet the media, you've gotta acknowledge the fact that winning three in a row to get to a game seven was not a victory at all. You've gotta fire Joe, Joe Missoula and you've gotta say that our expectation was to play in the finals. The fact that we lost to the Miami Heat, regardless of how we did it, is inexcusable and we will be back next year and we will try to do what we haven't done since 2008. The Boston Celtics cannot be satisfied with forcing a game seven. If they lose tonight, it's as though they got swept. If the Heat win tonight, it's as though they swept. That's how crazy history shows who wins a series. You don't remember all the teams that were up 3-0 and won in six games. You don't remember all the teams up 3-0 who won in seven, even though there's only a few and they've been told to you that it was including the 1951 Rochester Royals. None of it matters. I can't wait to watch it. Hope you're going to watch it. I'm going to have it as my pick of the day. But first, we're going to get to something that else happened this weekend. How could we not have a show to discuss this beauty that's happening over in Vegas today? And one of you asked the perfect question in between flipping burgers this Memorial Day weekend. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. It's Memorial Day, so you want to talk to Samson. I assume that half of you are definitely baked, and I don't blame you for that. Wouldn't mind being there myself. As a matter of fact, as far as I can tell, we're about 31 minutes away from that definite probability. Here's the question on Twitter at David P. Samson. Here's what you asked. I'm sorry to do this to you, whoever asked this, but I'm doing it. Okay, David, now it's final. The A's got the public financing. What's next? Are you new to the show? The Oakland A's have not gotten public financing from Las Vegas. I don't know how to say it any more clearly. You are reading articles that are telling you that they've got the financing. You're reading articles that are telling you they're moving. You're reading quotes from Rod Manford that are assuming they're moving. You're reading quotes from Dave Caval, the president of the A's, that's telling you, he's telling you it's done. It's not done. What's going on today, Memorial Day in Las Vegas, is actually a committee meeting on a bill that was filed 
to give public financing to the Oakland A's, wink, wink, that's not what it says, in order to help a ballpark built. Let me get to the end first and then tell you how I got there. If this bill passes out of the Vegas legislature, it still doesn't mean that the A's are moving to Vegas. I don't know if this is wishful thinking by you. I don't know if this is you being lazy. I don't know if this is you not listening to previous shows. I don't know if this is you believing everything you read. But here on Nothing Personal, we've been clear as the beautiful sunny weather in the Northeast this weekend. All that's happening now is a committee meeting on a bill that is so bad for the public that it makes me proud. It's a bill that I couldn't dream of getting when we were getting Marlins Park built and financed. One of the major provisions in this bill and the one that should be focused on that will not be discussed by anyone is the old first class facility provision. The biggest nightmare ever for anyone on the public side, because what it means is that the amount of public money you're giving to the project has no end in sight. When you agree in a bill to keep a facility in first class condition as defined below, and then they go into a three paragraph definition. I was part of writing what we wanted as a first class facility at Marlins Park worked with our lawyers to make sure, worked with our operations people. Here's a list of everything that we're gonna need to renovate. Here's when the new scoreboard's gonna be needed. It was a brand new building, but you gotta think ahead. Here's when we're gonna be replacing every seat. Here's when we're gonna redo certain areas, certain hospitality areas. Here's the lifespan of the carpeting. We had it all set. Then we had the definition of first-class facility equals any new facility built by definition will be defined as a first-class facility. And if a new stadium has this amazing thing where there's Wi-Fi that goes into your ear in order for you to follow the play in 3D so that you're actually standing on second base during a play while you're the umpire, that's a first-class facility. And we get the money from you to make sure that we can renovate and have those exact same features. It's the biggest crock of crap that private people try to do to the public is they hide it under first class facility. And when you don't get it, it's used as a sword to get out of a stadium deal and threaten relocation and make sure you get a new ballpark, Arizona, Milwaukee. Never used as a shield saying, oh, the reason we want that provision, and I tried this, sat in a meeting once with people from the city and the county of Miami. And I said, the reason I want the provision of first-class facility is that I wanna make sure that this ballpark remains a jewel of our skyline, that this ballpark remains a place where people wanna go that you can be proud of as the government in Miami, that you will have a professional baseball team playing in a first-class facility. <laughs> I can't even keep a straight face, it's so ridiculous. But that's in the A's bill. You know what else? There's more. 
I want to explain something about what a TIFF is. We did a show once, Coca. Don't remember when, don't remember how. A TIFF is tax increment financing, tax increment funding. It means that you put string around an area. And inside that area, any amount of taxes that are generated in that area are kept in that area for the purpose of improvements in that area. So if you create an area where there's gonna be a ballpark, you can use the taxes generated inside that area in order to finance that ballpark. Totally normal, totally fine. The problem is there is no way to properly calculate what that amount of money is gonna be. All you can do is estimate. What the A's do and what any team does who's looking for stadium financing from the public is they give projections to the public. The public then hires a private consultant who looks at those projections, who comes up with his, her, their own set of projections, and then they decide what would be fair for the amount of taxes generated inside the TIF to be used for the construction of the ballpark. But what happens when you're wrong with the projections? The TIF money is used to pay back money that's borrowed to build a ballpark. If the TIF doesn't generate money to pay back the money that you've borrowed, in order to borrow the money, you have to put up other collateral. The other collateral that the public puts up is generally its general fund. That's the money that's used for teachers and firefighters and first responders and to help your homelessness or environment or any of the other things that are going on in your community. And when that money goes away, either taxes get raised for the people who live in the community or services get cut that were funded by money in the general pot. So when you have a stadium deal and you sell it to your people as this will not be anything other than money that is generated but for us having a ballpark, it's not true. We say it's true because we don't want you to think we're taking money from teachers and lawyers. It's not teachers and lawyers, from teachers and police and fire. There are very few scenarios in Miami, and I will tell you that 10 years into the Marlins Park deal, not $1 has come out of general fund. Not $1. But it was possible, and it's still possible. So that's number one. That's called the TIF. Now here's what else is not in the legislation. You've got the state of the art, you've got the TIF, but you know what you don't have? You don't have any specificity about location, about size, or about team. Fascinating. Can you imagine the possibility that what Vegas is actually doing here is setting themselves up to be an expansion city? and that there's never gonna be a deal with the A's? Do you think I am 
batshit crazy for saying that? Do you know what you need to be an expansion city? You need financing for a stadium. You need a mechanism in place. I wonder whether the committee who's thinking about the bill and debating the bill today is going to specify that this financing package is only good for the Oakland A's and only good for the Tropicana site. Here's a shocker. It doesn't say it now. I wonder whether it's going to say it. We've got the quotes ready to go. The quotes from the president of the A's, it's so good. We're excited to share our vision for the A's potential new home. Coca, show those renderings. There they are. The A's unveiled renderings. Coca, did we talk about this on Friday? Did we do an entire segment about how ridiculous those renderings are? How there is zero chance that the renderings are actually going to look anything like what the final ballpark looks like? Is there a chance that we talked for even one minute about the fact that the renderings show a ballpark that would take up way more space than the nine acres that's allocated for the ballpark on the Trapicana site by their deal with Bally's? Did we talk about the fact that a retractable roof that doesn't cover the entire stadium is never going to be allowed by Major League Baseball? Did we talk about the fact that if you don't have a fully air-conditioned, climatized stadium in Vegas, that you have zero chance of selling out 84 games a year, which is what they'd have to sell out to get the 2.5 million fans? We didn't talk about that, did we? Do we talk about the fact that renderings for a ballpark that don't come from actual design documents or construction documents are worth the same as toilet paper? Did we talk about that? Did we talk about the fact that the Oakland A's released renderings for the purpose of fooling people in Vegas, thinking this is what they're gonna get when they know very well it's not? Did we talk about that? Did we talk about the fact that you can't price renderings? How do you know it's a billion and a half ballpark? What about half a billion? What about two billion? You don't know squat about crap when you release renderings like that. Here's what you do when you want renderings. You spend a couple hundred grand, you get a few renderings done, you release them and you say, this is what we envision. Have you looked at the Marlins Park renderings before we did construction? The trees in the renderings we're 20 stories high. We did renderings in order to show that Marlins Park would not be an eyesore in the neighborhood in Little Havana. We did renderings to make the park look smaller and not overwhelming the community around it. We didn't do renderings based on reality. We didn't do renderings based on what it would look like. We didn't do renderings based on an actual budget. We did renderings because we were trying to get votes it's not lying, it's not misleading. Hey, this is aspirational. This is what we'd love the renderings to look like. Wouldn't it be cool? I don't know why you wouldn't put in an entire roof. I don't know why you wouldn't show people on nine acres. Oh, here's why. Because putting a stadium on nine acres with a retractable roof is impossible. Go take a look at the other retractable roof ballparks of Major League Baseball and tell me how many of them are on nine acres. I'm just asking. I'm just spitballing here. My guess is you're going to find it's zero. 
the entire process that the Oakland A's are going through in Las Vegas is a ruse. They have no idea what they're doing. If you are trying with PR to get a deal done in Vegas, could you be this bad? Could you screw it up this much? From a guy, Mia culpa, who made plenty of mistakes, but my heavens, the A's have so many places they could go to lean on to learn what to do and how to do it. Can't say my phone's ringing, and I may have called a few people around baseball, and guess what? Their phones weren't ringing either. It's not like the A's are trying to reinvent the wheel, is it? You're trying to get public financing. You're trying to get a deal where you're from because you're not really allowed to move. Hmm, I wonder who we could have called. I wonder who else has had to do that very same thing. I don't know, like 25 teams. We're excited to share our vision for the A's potential new home. Put potential there, because it's not the new home, that's the A's president. As our first conceptual design, we will continue to refine the look and feel of the ballpark over the next year. News alert, if you're trying to open in 27, it takes 36 months to build a retractable roof facility. That's to construct it. You still need time to get the construction documents done because if you start building before you have finalized where every damn outlet's going, before you've picked out every piece of office furniture, before you have priced the steel or the prefabricated concrete, then you are screwing your owner because you are gonna be subject to overruns in a way that you do not fully understand. He finished his quote by saying, it follows in the footsteps and success of the professional sports teams that come before us in creating union jobs. Don't ever say you're creating union jobs. I, 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 who's helping these people? What you are creating is the right for the workers to unionize. You don't want your hot dog vendors in a union. Trust me, if you're the people in Vegas and you're going to games, whether you're a tourist, a gambler, or a resident, because remember, they've got to draw a lot of residents, union jobs creates higher costs. You can at me all you want, but that's the true economics of it. Don't say it stimulating economic growth, fostering investments in the community. I can't even anymore, Coca, I can't. So to answer your question, it's not final. The A's didn't get the public financing and here's what's next. The committee's gonna meet, it may or may not pass. The state may or may not, it'll be a big announcement if it does. That still doesn't mean the deal's done. There's no lease agreement. There's no stadium agreements. There's no vote yet on the local level. There's no vote yet on the Major League Baseball level. We're moving on. Do we have to take a break on a Memorial Day if no one else is doing a show? I don't think Metal Arc even knows we're doing a show. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. 
Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, Our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. We're here on Memorial Day because of course we are, and we thank you for being here too. Coca, a special shout out to you because while no one else at Metal Arc is working today, you are, and I appreciate that very much. Your bonus check is not in the mail. Before I get anywhere else, I gotta do a quick correction. There is a, uh, I can't let the day pass. I'm so angry about this. We do the show live. I have no... Cue cards, I have no prompter, I have no nothing. I just have the camera where I'm staring into a camera and not even a studio audience. I wish that I did. I was talking about Milwaukee on Friday's show and I said that something, I don't know what we were even talking about, Coco. Why were we even talking about Milwaukee? And uh, I mentioned that there's this great district called the Fifth Ward in Milwaukee and I am mortified. Many of you got back to me. I'm glad to have such a loyal audience in Wisconsin. Uh, it's the third ward. So I'm not sure that only, according to the last numbers we have, only 2.3% of you are interested in what I just said, but it's called the third ward, not the fifth ward. Okay, spoiler alert. If you have not watched the succession finale and you are a fan of the show, please fast forward. Give me a countdown, Coca, for the next two minutes. I'm talking succession. Three, six, nine. I'm so disappointed with the succession finale. I wanted, like with the finale of Mrs. Maisel, which we're going to review maybe tomorrow, succession ended in the only way that made sense for me. The three siblings are tragic figures. The family puts the dis and dysfunctional 
and none of them get to be the successor to their father. The problem I had with the finale, and this is all personal. This is how I feel about things and what triggers me. To make a physical fight take place bothered me. The writing by Jesse Armstrong is so good. Why do you need to distract or to in any way take away from the words on the paper by having people physically fight? Tom and Greg physically fought. Roman and Kendall physically fought. There is no positive that comes of that. It's almost like lazy. Now you can say that's what siblings do, they fight. These are adults. Is that what adults do? They start fighting each other? I am very, very displeased with that. The fact that Tom ends up as the CEO and people are saying he's the successor, you all have it wrong. There is no successor. The company got sold because he didn't want there to be a successor. Matson's not the successor. Tom's not the successor. So everything you read is untrue. The company got taken over. It's gone. It's swallowed up. The fact that Tom is the US CEO, who cares? The final shots of the show, showing the three kids separately, showing what their lives may or may not be like going forward. For all of you who think that money is the answer, or for all of you who think that money would be your answer, take a look at this family, whether it's based on the real life Murdoch family or not, and ask yourself, private jets or not, is that what you'd want? Succession's over. Thank you, Jesse Armstrong, for writing a show that was first class. All right, you're back. Thank you for being back. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson and Matt Coca. We're going to talk some Yankees right now as we finish Monday's show. Yes, we are live May 29th. It is Memorial Day. Did you see Aaron Boone for the Yankee fans out there, or the Met fans out there, or baseball fans out there? A couple Yankee things to go over today. Aaron Boone got suspended for a game for not one particular incident with umpires. He got suspended for his overall behavior in being ejected like four times in 10 games. I wanna talk about why that would happen. Aaron Boone, when we had him, and I've known Aaron for, God, it's gotta be over a decade. He played for the Marlins. He is a extremely funny, smart, interesting character from a great baseball family. Father, brother, grandfather, etc. Aaron Boone did not show any signs of being a red ass when he was a player. He was competitive for sure. When he became manager of the Yankees, I couldn't have been more proud of him. Felt as though he was a good person to put in the New York spotlight because he can handle it. A good person to work with Cashman, Steinbrenner, et cetera. 
And what I've seen happen to Aaron is what happens to people when they're in the grinder for too long. His frustration tolerance level has decreased to practically zero. The reason he keeps getting ejected four times in 10 games, he's frustrated because the Yankees, while they're in third place, seven games out, while they're now nine games over, the expectations for the Yankees have always outstripped the reality of the results. Were they unrealistic expectations? No. When you've got the highest or second highest payroll in all of baseball, you've got to make it through October at one point or another. Aaron Boone has not been able to lead the Yankees through October. When I look at him in the dugout, I can see his cogs turning, grinding, but I can also see that he looks like this is all becoming too much. I want you to be healthy, Aaron. You got a whole life in front of you once you're done managing the Yankees. You could even manage another team. The reason why you're using the new rules as a, as a catalyst for ejection, this is really a manifestation of your general overall frustration. And I have a suggestion to you. My suggestion is that the team that's been given to you, you are playing with a third place team at best. The majority of the players who your GM has signed or who you, your owner has asked to be signed, they're not good and they're completely overpaid. It's not your fault your payroll is that high with players who stink or players who are injured. It's not your fault that you don't have a deep enough pitching staff or that the people at the bottom of your lineup, it's a sinkhole of crap. You can only manage the 26 guys given to you by your GM. It's not your fault. And the team is not such that they're motivated by your ejections. So I think you should stop. The reason why Mike Hill figured it was time to suspend him for a game is he wants the heat off the umpires because he needs the umpires cooperation with them enforcing the new rules and with them agreeing to the robot umps that are coming, which doesn't mean they're being replaced. It just means they're gonna get help in the strike zone. They need buy-in from the umpires union. They have to show, this is MLB and Mike Hill, they have to show their support of the umpires they don't like ejecting managers because that comes with them being shown up by the managers. The umpires, contrary to what you may think, Joe West may be the only one and he's gone now. They don't like arguing with managers. It's embarrassing. And MLB doesn't like when that happens. So Aaron Boone getting suspended for a game makes perfect sense for me. He served the suspension. He's totally back. He gave a quote that I would counsel him not to have given. He said that I'm not gonna change, even though I've been kicked out of a lot of games, a lot of them I make it through. So maybe just being better at knowing where that line is. When Aaron Boone gets suspended, I would have gone down to sit with him and I would have said, listen, Booney, you're going to sit out this game against the Padres. We'll take care of it. Samson's pick of the day was a loser because we actually thought we were going to win and we lost. But as far as you're concerned on the field, I'm going to ask you to get ejected 
when I think the team needs something. That's what GMs say to managers. They say, now's the time. Argue, now's the time. Hit somebody in the butt with the pitch. Now's the time, turn over the spread. We are gonna talk about what those times are, but if you go to the well too many times, it becomes ineffective. And your ejections are now ineffective and they make us look desperate. Stop. And I think that's what took place with Cashman and Boone. And we'll see. All right, nothing personal pick of the day. We went 0-2 on Friday. We are 80 and 80. We had the Celtics giving three to the Heat in game six. Should have done the money line. That bet looked great the entire game until the Celtics won by one. I actually was hoping for overtime. I was hoping that Jimmy Butler would only hit two shots so the game would go to overtime and then there'd be a chance for the Celtics to cover, but we lost. We also had the Yankees over the Padres and we lost that. The Padres won the game. So we're 80 and 80. Let's talk about tonight's game. I'm going to start in baseball and finish where we started this show. Full circle. Finish it in basketball. Great story in baseball that I hope you're paying attention to. Liam Hendricks, who signed that three-year deal to be the White Sox closer, been an all-star for two years. He had been diagnosed with stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and he has struck out cancer. Biggest strikeout of his life, no doubt. He is a beloved player, an effective player on a team that's going nowhere, on a team that is in real trouble in terms of its on-the-field performance, the Chicago White Sox. They now have a good story. They deserve that. Liam Hendricks is back after only five months since diagnosis. Incredibly excited and happy for him. However, my wish for him is not a successful all-star season. My wish for him is that he stays cancer-free. Liam Hendricks is back for the White Sox and they play the Angels tonight. The Anaheim Angels of Los Angeles with Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon. Guess what? They've got the same record as the Marlins. The Marlins just swept them in Anaheim. Can you imagine what Artie Moreno did after that series? You get swept by the Marlins. Now, the Marlins are not bad this year. They're 28 and 26 as well. You can't win one game. Now, the Marlins have a superior pitching staff in every way. And once you beat Otani in a series, you have a good chance of sweeping them. And the Marlins did that. You're going to see some changes. You're not going to see Otani traded. You could very well see Phil Nevin fired. But what you will see tonight is a wave of emotion for the White Sox. They're minus 135 over the Angels, and they're going to win that game. I've got the White Sox over the Angels. Both teams are going nowhere fast this season, however. All right, we've got game seven. Shout out to Will Manso for going back and forth to Boston every other day for the past week, traveling like crazy. He had a great line on his Twitter feed. He said, the two greatest words in sports are not game seven, it's we win. And I agree. I used to tell you on this show, it's the two greatest words in sports. Game seven. I love game sevens, but it's true. It's not relevant to the people in the game. The only thing that matters is winning. But as a fan, I am damn excited for the game tonight. Finish up your Memorial Day barbecue. 
start getting ready for work tomorrow and sit down for an 8.30 game that'll be done by 11.10 and we're going to be tired. The line is seven and a half points. It's the lowest number the Celtics have been favored by of any of their home games in this series. Why is that? How did the Celtics not have all the momentum? How are the Celtics not going to come in and absolutely destroy the heat tonight? Why? Because of Eric Spolstra, Pat Riley, and the Miami Heat. There's something about him. It's either going to be a close game or the Heat could even prevail. Heat plus seven and a half is my pick of the day, and I feel really good. It's my three-star pick of the day. Heat plus seven and a half versus Celtics. All right, thank you for your time. We're a minute over. Sorry about that, Coca. I just heard you say rap already. People want to go back to bed. Thank you for waking up with me. Thank you for participating in Nothing Personal. Again, thank you, Coca. Today, it's Memorial Day. It's not business, unless you're us. In which case, it's just business. We're back tomorrow. This is Nothing Personal. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.